Hello and welcome to our first Fostering Focus podcast by Norfolk Fostering Service. My name's Scott McKay and I'm joined on the show tonight by Lucy, one of our recruiting social workers, Clea, a supervising social worker and Wendy, one of our foster carers. Welcome. On today's show, we're going to be discussing fostering networks, fostering fortnight and what fostering means to you. Welcome, Wendy, to our first podcast. So, Wendy, what does fostering mean to you? I would say that it's about making a difference to the lives of the different young people. So we've been fostering now for around 30 years and we started doing mainstream children. We now do children with complex health or disabilities and it's the massive change that we can make to the lives of them and their futures, basically. Thank you, Wendy. Um, Clear. so... After the uh, conversation with uh, with Wendy that we've just had and what fostering means to you, can you give us a perspective of uh, what fostering means to a supervising social worker um, around uh, the Fostering Fortnight's message? Um, so from the perspective of a, a supervising social worker, um, I, I think it's very much what Wendy was saying about making a difference to the lives of um, children and young people. Um, I think my focus is around how how that is and how that's done. And for me, the foster carers that I supervise that that do that absolutely amazingly are the are the ones, and it's most pretty much all of them is are the ones that really envelop the foster child and wrap them up in their entire sort of family um, to create belonging for that for that child or young person to claim that young person um, and to understand the gaps in that young person or child's life that they've missed in terms of the nurture and love and care and to fill those gaps in um, with with their nurture and with their understanding with enabling the child to understand what those gaps are and how they've missed out on them um, and to affirm, affirm what the child's been through, um, the trauma that the child's experienced, um, and to see all their behaviours that might come from that trauma as behaviours, not as that child or young person. Um, so that basically that the care that they're offering is as they would their own child, but also on top of that, it's got an extra layer of healing um, that sort of creates a sense for that child or young person that, that they are worthwhile um, and that they're lovable because coming into foster care, it's probably likely they feel neither of those things. Um, so that's where that difference is made. So, Lucy, can you tell us what fostering means to you? Yeah, I think for I think for me, it's kind of three main strands to it, I suppose, really. I think for the first, obviously, it provides children with um, a really positive family um, environment where they get that real kind of sense of belonging, a real sense of security, um, where they're brought in very much into the heart of the family and become a real valued family member. Um, and, and get the chance to experience all of those kind of normal childhood experiences that, that you know, we, we may take for granted. So 
trips to the beach, learning to ride a bike, um, you know, going camping, having holidays, that those kinds of things. Um, really, really important family experiences. Um, I think fostering provides children with a real um, emotional warmth, real sense of nurture um, and an opportunity to recover from some really negative um, early experiences that they might have had and to start um, to be, you know, begin that, that road to recovery, really. Um, and I think fostering provides birth families with the space they need to enable them to make the changes that they need to make to um, you know, enable them to care for their own children. Um, and, it, and it does, it really can give families that, that space so that they can make the changes they need to make um, so that they're able to care for their own children um, in the future. Right. So we've touched upon uh, family togetherness and uh, the whole family approach during the podcast. Um, so what, what do we mean by that? So for, for potential foster carers that are out there, what, what do we mean by, you know, the whole family approach, family togetherness? Well, I, personally, I think it's important that when you decide to become a foster carer, you have an understanding that that child is going to become part of your family. So this is going to affect your wider family because within my home, every child we've had, um, my mum has become their nanny, my sister has become their auntie. Um, When we have family events, the children are always invited, even if it's weddings um, and things like that. And it's in because, like I said, um, my husband, he comes from a very large family and they're, they're marvellous. So whatever child we have at the time, that child is then accepted, you know, whoever we've got staying. When we get Christmas cards, the children are included on the Christmas cards because basically they are accepted that at this time they are part of our family. So, you know, I think it's important that foster carers understand it's about everybody within their family having a good understanding about these young people are going to come into your home they're going to come in as a stranger but then you're going to take them in and they're going to become family members and everybody's got to share the understanding and accept them and basically give them what they need sort of like the love and that not being family funny sometimes they haven't had a good family um, network and they don't understand what it is. I remember one young girl coming, she'd never sat at a dinner table, you know, never been out for meals with people, um, never been to family events. So that's just lovely that, like I said, it's about understanding that, yes, it's not just you as a foster carer, it's your friends, it's your family, everybody understanding that this is what you're doing now. You're providing a family. You're not providing just a bed or a home you're providing a family for that young person yeah I kind of I kind of describe it to people as um, a kind of ripple effect really so a bit like you said Wendy it's not just about the adults in the house who are fostering it's everybody who comes into contact with that child so it's other children in the house it's friends it's neighbors it's grandparents it's aunts uncles everybody um, is going to be involved in in the fostering process in in one way or another and it's like you said, Wendy, so much about uh, helping that child 
become a real kind of member of that family and feel really involved and really valued um, and an important part of that family. And everybody will will contribute towards that um, in all in all of those ways that you you uh you talked about birthday cards christmas cards you know being invited to family events um included in photographs all of those things yeah i do i do and i think that is really important like you said it is about everybody accepting them and it's funny you know but children can blend in very easily and when they're in a family and suddenly nanny turns up and the others are saying oh it's nan and whatever you'd be surprised how quickly that's their nan as well or that's their aunt as well i think that's the feeling of inclusion isn't it and that's what they really really want is you know we're unaware of the neglect or the emotional detachment that they've had and uh you know a loving arm isn't always going to be the first thing that they they look for is it it's it's you know they're going to take time to come round. I can think even like at Christmas times, like um, a sister of mine who's um, one of my sisters, um, a single parent, and I can remember saying, you know, you don't have to buy for the young people. You know, I do understand you don't have to, but always they do. Do you know what I mean? It is really important because the other thing I think with children that have experienced um, trauma is that they are quite hypervigilant to being treated differently and will notice the slightest thing in that way um so it it is important and I also think on on top of everything that you've described you know um lots of our children won't necessarily be ready for that sense of family um in in the way that that we think is the norm and is, is a general expectation so the claiming and enveloping the 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 child in nurture can be quite a slow process to get to the point that we're describing about them feeling a whole part of the family. And that that takes quite a lot of time and quite a lot of focus. And that's a lot of the time is around on just affirming that the child is okay, whatever they're going to throw at you and standing strong and standing stable and, and taking, you know, their traumatised behaviours, seeing them for behaviours rather than the child. Um, and slowly building it from there Um, and that is for me that's kind of like the primary task is the claiming of a child um, or young person and affirming them as as their own people um, and that they're okay and you're going to sort of be able to accept and nurture them regardless. Yeah and that's about having that commitment isn't it towards that young person or that child you know it's about mm. having that that real kind of stickability so that when they you know present behaviors that might be a bit tricky or when they throw things you know at you that you the curveballs that you weren't expecting that actually you have got that sense of um commitment and that emotional resilience that you can kind of dig into and use your reserves so that you can work with that child through that period so that you know they can come out the other end still very much part of your family still Mm. very much included um and and then ready to move on to the you know on to the next stage on to the next thing 
um, mm. I think having that that commitment um, to children is just is massive really it's a massive part of the foster carer's yeah. role and I think it's one of the most breaths like from the perspective of a supervising social worker the sheer magnitude of the task of fostering is is really breathtaking and I do feel really quite humbled to um support people that are putting themselves out there to do that I, I just I feel really you know um quite privileged to support them in that journey which is something quite phenomenal really and it's more than just parenting your child it's so much bigger than that um, and I think it's quite quite remarkable. I can think of a young lady um, who came to us, this was years ago, and they, they came to Medora, lived at North Walton at the time, and they said, um, would we consider fostering this young lady? She'd had seven breakdowns um, after being sexually abused, and she'd been with different foster carers and it wasn't working out. And they wondered if she came to live with us, if me being a big sister... Uh, coming across rather than somebody trying to be a foster like a foster mum if like a big sister would work and she came to us and because she'd been sexually abused I can't tell you she literally came in when she arrived and she just was curled up in a ball on the settee just chewing her nails um and when I used to grow that was the choice of staying at home she'd lock herself in a room or she would come out with me but over the years, I can't tell you. And when you're talking about taking them on holiday with you and being part of your family, I would say to my husband, one of the loveliest photos, and we've still got it of her, is where she's turning around on a speedboat in Cyprus and she's got the loveliest smile on her face. It really is lovely. I was with her for the birth of her first child. Mm. When she ran away from children's houses, she came to me to leave the baby with me before he ran away. But we didn't realise at the time. But, you know, just before we moved here um, a good few years back now, I got a phone call from Colchester Children's Services. Um, that was where she was in at the time to say that she was suffering with severe depression, so her children had come in to be looked after. And they wondered if they could send her back to me, but we'd, we'd just bought this place and we just didn't have the room but they said the reason they'd looked me up is because during one of her sessions with her psychiatrist, she'd said about her terrible life, and she did have a terrible life, this young girl, a really terrible life. They, the psychologist said, so you're saying that nobody ever loved you in all of your life, and she said the only people that loved me oh. and went, I couldn't take her. Do you know what I mean? Because we'd bought a small bundle, yeah. building work done, and, yeah, that was difficult. Oh, that's amazing, yeah. Wendy. You know, we did make that. Good. And I and I think, yeah, and I think that story that you told about the young man who'd had his own family, um, I don't think that's sad. I think that's amazing that he, that you claimed him and created such a genuine sense of belonging for him that he wanted to return to you. Because for whatever reason, things might have been tricky, as, it, as they are for many people in their 30s with young children. And quite often we can all feel a bit like, actually, I just want to go home. I just want to get a bit of TLC from my mum or whatever. So I think that was a really natural thing for him to do. But you created that, being the foster carer, and I just, I think that's amazing. Yeah. It is. It's providing that that secure base, isn't it, for children and young people. It's providing that real kind of solid 
foundation upon which you know other people may build so they may go from you onto other carers or back to birth family or whatever but but and other people might build on that foundation but having mm. played such a fundamental part in helping children have that mm. sense of security and just those really really firm base um that they can you know upon which they can can develop and 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 continue to build mm. is just such a massive massive thing to have done i mean it's phenomenal it's absolutely mm. phenomenal and i think as well um although we're talking about sort of claiming the children within our own family what we also touched on both of you is still promoting the child's story of their life and experience by keeping those relationships with birth family going as well. I think sometimes that can be a real dilemma for foster carers. Um, it isn't about taking the child out of their history and removing them from that. It's about giving them a safe and nurturing environment to fill in the gaps that I was talking about from their own experiences, but also to start building new and more positive relationships and ongoing relationships with their birth family because understanding that is part of filling in those gaps and those life story gaps of trauma. So where possible, um, I think fostering to me also means to kind of promote um, the child's sense of belonging within their birth families as well, with their siblings, with their parents. Um, and, and I think quite often that can be a bit of a struggle, but it isn't an either or. I think if you're looking at whole family approach, that does include the birth families as well. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. And seeing that firsthand with Wendy, uh, when we interviewed Wendy and uh, one of her placements uh, dads with it, that bond of togetherness that Wendy and uh, mm. the, and him has with yeah. her um, is, is paramount there. And you can see it, that that connection is there. And what, Wendy, you touched on it before is about the inclusion of of him at Christmas and the Lapland tour and the things that you've done in order to make sure that he's part of it. Yeah, and when we went, I'll when we actually, I tried to think of such nice things to do. Our young man, like I said, the relationship we've got with Dad is really good. But the other lovely thing is that he knows the family. And when I try to think of lovely things to do, because the young man's been with me now for 10 years and you're thinking, oh, goodness, what can I think of next? So I'm constantly trying to think of nice things. But like when we did a day at the races and, um, do you know, uh, Dad later on that night sent me a text and said, thank, for, thank you for the most fantastic um, contact. You know, we had a little bag of coins, picked a horse for our young man, um, for each race, but when we went there, all of my family went. He was there with all of my family. Yeah. And we had other It's very affirming. Yeah. And not being funny, you know if he's here for contact, Clear, you would not believe it because my mum might walk in the door and he'll go, Do you want a cuppa? <laughs> <laughs> that's just so amazing because for the for the young person that's shown that the birth family gives permission for him to be with you yeah. and you give permission for him to still and and that just creates such um integration within a child about about a world that can quite often be completely split for foster children 
um, and create such a, you know, you know, feelings of disloyalty, feelings of not being able to settle, feelings of guilt and shame. But actually, you're just totally surrounding the child with with the dad. And I just think that that that's the ideal situation in, in the event that he can't be with dad. That is the most ideal situation that you could aim for in fostering. And that, Claire, is why I always let dad have contact on Christmas Eve. Because I know a lot of people would say, but it's Christmas Eve, you know, I've got lots to do, sort of stuff for the family. But for me, I just think he can't have him on Christmas Day. He can't enjoy doing the things on Christmas Day. So what's the next best thing we can possibly give him? And it's Christmas Eve. So whether us go mm. to the theatre and then going for, like, mince pies and a hot chocolate or whether it's doing the Lapland Railway you know, and sitting in the carriage and having food and stuff like that. It's always about just trying to make, yeah. you know, that lovely for him and bringing his presents and, you know, and actually Scott was there when he brought his presents early because last year we all went to Florida for Christmas and New Year and um, Dad was, you know, really respectful and like, yes, I haven't got a problem with that. So we did Christmas Day a bit early. <laughs> That's amazing, Wendy. Because what you're talking about is that is empathy, isn't it? Is about having, you know, empathy not just for the the child and the young person, and thinking about, you know, what is it that's gone on for this child and young person? What is it that that we as as foster carers need to do? But also having empathy for the birth parents. Actually, you know, they're in a in a really tough place as well. Um, and like you say, if you can provide the next best thing can't have them on Christmas Day, but actually can have them on Christmas Eve. What an amazing yeah. thing to be able to do um, and to help, like you say, that that young person have that sense of acceptance of both families. Um, amazing. Brilliant. And I also think it's that important bit about understanding and accepting that just because dad okay, his parenting skills, he didn't really have any. And there were problems, and that's why the young person came to be looked after by us. And, you know, there was severe neglect, but it's about not judging him. It's about, okay, Mm. just because he wasn't able to parent him well didn't mean that he didn't love him, because I can tell you he loves him so much. It's just the fact that, Mm. okay, he couldn't do that, but I can do that for him. And Dad's very accepting about, you know, I'd never been able to have got him the, to where you've got him today and, you know, I'd have never been able to do what you do. But there you go, you know, that's about working together. But you've also been able to show Dad and model to Dad how to do that emotional care as well. Yeah. So you've supported him to learn those skills. And I do think that that lack of negative judgment about parents is a hard thing for foster carers at times, but I think it's completely necessary yeah. um, for all the reasons that, that we've talked about. Because I I mean, in a very long career of being a social worker, I, I can't really think of any parents who didn't manage to look after their children in the way that we want, who didn't actually really love them. It's just they hadn't got what they needed, yeah. so they didn't know what to do. So, and I think that's really important to remember. So... As we bring the pod, our first podcast to the end, um, what we've really discussed here today is 
the importance of being part of the family, that family togetherness, but above all, the inclusion of the of the birth parent where necessary. Now, we know this is not always going to be the case. We know in certain circumstances that depending on what the judge or the court decides, you know, it, it maybe won't be face-to-face contact. Uh, it could be contact at a, a contact centre or it could be via FaceTime. These are things that we can talk about in our next podcast. But I really do hope everyone that's listened today has found it insightful. And uh, I'd just like to say a big thank you to, to to Wendy, to Lucy and to Clea for being our guests on today's podcast. Uh, and we wish you all a good day. 